kind Heavenly Father, we ask you to help us now that we might know who you are. You might bless us, give us a feeling of closeness to you, examine our hearts that we might come to trust you and believe in you with all of our hearts. Help us this day, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Our text today is in Matthew chapter 18, as we consider today some of the uh, passages that Jesus used. Matthew chapter 18, we'll also be looking at Luke chapter number 15 for our text today. Matthew 18 and Luke chapter 15, we've been doing a series on God and who God is as explained through the words of Jesus, and so we're going to continue that study today. From Matthew 18, two parallel passages, and Luke chapter number 15. When I grew up at home, the house that I grew up in, one of the things we really enjoyed came at Easter time, and it was Easter eggs. Now, of course, food was hard to come by for us, and so to take a dozen eggs and use them for something besides a meal (laughs) was almost unheard of. But we colored the Easter eggs, and beginning on Easter morning, we hid the eggs, and we found them. And we did it over and over and over again. As the kids and the family, we took turns, sometimes hiding the eggs, sometimes searching for them. We made it a real challenge, too. It wasn't just you find one laying right in front of you. You might find an egg in the middle of a pile of towels in the bathroom cupboard. You had to look under each one to be sure. Or it might be inside the kitchen stove. Or you might pull a book out of the bookcase and find an egg hidden behind the book. Or maybe under the couch or on a windowsill. I remember I was the youngest one at that time, and I found a good hiding place, and I thought, nobody's ever going to find this egg. And the bathroom throw rug was always a little bit wrinkled up, so I hid an egg under the rug in one of the wrinkles. Of course, it got stepped on (laughs) before anybody found it, and Mom said, don't hide any more eggs under the rug. That's not a good place. (laughs) Well, when it was your turn to search... You had to find all the eggs that were hidden. And if there was an egg you couldn't find, then you would walk around the room slowly, and the person who hid the eggs would say, you're cold, you're cold, or you're getting warmer, you're getting warmer still. And finally they'd say, you're hot which meant you're somewhere right on top of the egg. So turn everything over, look underneath everything, open and close everything, but don't move until you find that lost egg. Searches were a challenge. It was great fun. We might do it 10 or 15 times or even more until we found every hiding place in the whole house or until Mom decided to make egg salad. <laughs> so she wouldn't waste those eggs. Now we're learning about God from the things that Jesus said. And in our text today, Jesus describes a search for something that was lost. 
And in so doing, he teaches us more about God. There were certain things that Jesus used as examples, stories that he used as metaphors to explain and reveal the truth about God. And a lot of times they were very simple things that you and I experience every day. Water was one of the things that Jesus liked to talk about. Water is a cleansing agent. And I'm sure all of you used it today. At least I hope you did before you came to church. Got cleaned up for today. Water is also a refreshing thing we need for good health. And Jesus described God as a cleansing agent to wash us from our sins. And as a refreshing thing to restore our souls. And so he used those simple things to explain things about God. One of Jesus' favorite stories was based around the idea of a shepherd and his sheep. Now Jesus had called himself by many different names in telling these stories. He called himself the door. We've talked about that. He called himself the way. He called himself the bread of life. He called himself the living water. But one of his favorite titles that he used was the good shepherd. I am, he said, the good shepherd. Last week we saw that Jesus told the Canaanite woman that he was a shepherd searching for lost sheep. Now in our society, we don't have much exposure to shepherds or sheep anymore. But in Jesus' time, everybody saw firsthand the work of shepherds with their sheep. So it was a very common idea that everyone had experienced. And Jesus loved to use that idea of the shepherd and his sheep over and over. He mentioned it many times. And so we look today at the same story told on two different occasions. And although it appears to be the exact same story, you need to pay special attention because there are subtle differences. And if we will read carefully those subtle differences, it can be very instructive to us. And so it is called the parable of the lost sheep. First, I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 18, this little simple story that Jesus told. Matthew chapter 18, am I reading from verse 11? For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. How think ye, if a man have a hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray, does he not leave the ninety and nine, and goeth into the mountains, and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoices more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. And that's the first time we read about Jesus telling that story. Over in Luke chapter 15, he's going to tell that same story again. Listen carefully and see if you notice the difference between the two stories. I'm in Luke chapter 15, reading again the same story and the circumstances that led up to it. Chapter 15 of Luke, beginning at the first verse. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. 
And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. Now the reason Jesus told this particular story in Luke 15 was because of the Pharisees made a comment about Jesus. They said, what's wrong with Jesus he eats with sinners. <laughs> now for the Jews, eating a meal was full of cultural significance. Not so for you and me. We just gobble down our food. We go through the drive through and grab it as we go along and eat it while we're driving down the road. Not much cultural significance in us eating, is there? But that wasn't true with the Jews. They had special ideas about eating your food had to be clean. A very special type of food had to be clean. Or as we say today, food has to be kosher. That's the word we use today. You had to wash. Not only before you eat, we do that, uh, but several times during the meal, you would wash and wash and wash again. You went to great lengths to make sure your food was clean, and you were clean when you were eating out of that, that dinner. So why would you ever eat a nice, clean meal with some filthy sinner? That dirty, filthy sinner would spoil a whole meal. And the Pharisees were shocked that Jesus would eat with these sinners. To which Jesus replies, A good shepherd has a hundred sheep. Ninety-nine of them are safe in the sheepfold, but one is lost. And the shepherd leaves behind the ninety and nine and feels that that one lost sheep at that moment is the most important one. And to make his point more pointed... Jesus goes on to tell of a woman who had ten coins. And she lost one of those coins and turned the house upside down until she found the lost coin. That one lost one was very precious to her. He adds the story a little bit farther of a man who had two sons. And one son is lost. And the father rejoices when the lost prodigal son comes home. So the idea is repeated by Jesus over and over again. Whatever is lost becomes the priority, especially for a shepherd. The lost sheep gets the full attention of the good shepherd. It is very valuable to him because it is lost. So Jesus eats with sinners because they are lost. 
and they are his number one priority. But I wonder, did you notice the subtle differences in the two stories as we read through them? Did you hear what was slightly different? In Matthew, we read that it says the shepherd goes searching for the sheep, and if he finds the sheep, he rejoices. Now that is not what it says in Luke. It says when he finds the lost sheep, he rejoices. But in Matthew, it says if he finds that lost sheep, which seems to indicate that it is possible that the shepherd might not find that lost sheep, that his search might be in vain. So my friends, consider with me today the possibility that the shepherd's search for the lost sheep might be unsuccessful. Jesus is trying to teach us that in God's eyes, the lost sheep is number one priority, the most important one. But let us consider how it is possible for the shepherd's search to be unsuccessful. When we think about people, of course, Jesus is the good shepherd, and we, the people, are the sheep. Think of this, that God knows everything. We say God knows everything there is to know, and he does. He knows exactly where you are. You don't have to say, hey, God, I'm over here, over here. Come and find me, God. Okay, you're getting warmer. You're getting warmer. Come over here, God. See if you can find me. That's not what we need to do. Of course, God knows where you are physically. Right now, you're in the parking lot at East Shelby Church. He knows that. But God also knows where you are at inside your heart. He knows if your relationship with Him is strained. He knows if you've been ignoring Him. He knows if you want nothing to do with Him. He knows that too. He knows where your heart and mind are at. So He knows you not just where you physically are, but inside of your heart, spiritually, where you are at. And if you are lost, it's not because He can't find you. It is rather because you don't want to be found. You are not convinced that you should join the 99 other sheep back at the sheepfold. And so Jesus' mission as the good shepherd is to call to you, to urge you, to plead with you, to entice you, and to convince you, and to invite you to come with him. Now he does that in many, many wonderful ways. Always urging, always pleading, always trying to convince you. One of the ways he does that is he pours out mercy on you personally. You personally experience the mercy of God. You wake up and you hear the birds sing. That's the mercy of God being good to you. 
You feel the warmth of the sun on your face. And you breathe the fresh air. All because the mercy of God is poured out all around you. And it shows itself in many, many ways. You are experiencing the mercy of God every day. The majority of your days, if you're sitting here today, I can guarantee you, the majority of your days have been days of good health. Yes, we get sick sometimes, but it comes and goes. But most of your days have been good days and healthy days. And it's all the mercy of God poured out on you. And so we experience His goodwill towards us every day as He calls to us. And then you hear a story that a man named Jesus died on a cross so you could be forgiven of your sins. And we're told that He did it because God so loved the world. That was a very kind and a very generous thing to do. He did it because he loved you. And part of his search is to reveal to you how much he loved you. In hopes that you will respond to his love and feel gratitude and be thankful and then respond in love back to him. And it makes him sad when you reject his love. It may be that in your life you are searching. Wise old King Solomon in the Old Testament wrote a book about his search for personal happiness. And he explains to us the different things he tried that the world had to offer. He said he tried money. He bought anything he wanted, whenever he wanted it. He said he tried entertainment of all kinds. He said he tried building projects. He built fabulous buildings. He said he tried music. And he tried laughter. And when he finished it all, he said, It's all vanity. It's all useless. None of us satisfies the longings down inside of my heart. And so Solomon explained it this way, that God put something inside a man's heart when he created him. And he said it like this, God has put eternity in the heart of man. That is, we desire something eternal. We desire something that will last longer than anything in this world is going to last. God made life and the things in this world to be unsatisfying to our hearts, unfulfilling, so that we would finally get to the point where we say that the only thing that I can find that satisfies me is God. And we would open up our hearts to God and He would find you and lead you into His fold. So He invites us and He calls and He entices us, but sometimes we refuse to be found. Now I can take this little jar and I can put it in the water. There it is, it's submerged, it's under the water. 
completely surrounded by water. It's saturated in the water. And I can take it back out of the water. And I can open it up. And it's dry as a bone inside of there. There's not one drop of water that got into that jar. Even though it was underwater and submersed by water and saturated. I can open it up and not one drop of water got inside the jar. Just like the jar in the water, God is all around us. But we have sealed up our hearts and we won't let any of God get inside of us. Instead, inside, we are dry as a bone. So Jesus says, if he can find the lost sheep, if he can, it's not his fault you are lost. It's your choice. It's your doing. You have sealed your heart and won't let God in. But in Luke's gospel, Jesus changes the story. And he says, when he finds the sheep. You see, in his eyes, you are so valuable that he will never quit searching for you. The mercy of God is described as an inexhaustible energy. It never gives up. It never quits. It never runs low. He will search for you no matter how hard your heart is or how tightly sealed you have sealed your life from God. He is always the good shepherd who searches with an intensity for you that never subsides. That's why he loved that story about the shepherd so much because the shepherd never gave it up. And so Jesus never gives up, pouring out his love, pouring out his mercy, searching and hoping and longing for us to be found. But my friends, what Jesus said was a wonderful thing at the end of that story. He said, when you finally say yes, when you finally give in, when you finally say, I want to be found, and he said that Jesus is thrilled by it. And Jesus said all of heaven, as a matter of fact, is thrilled by it. Can you imagine what that is? Can you imagine in your mind what it must be like? Can you imagine your name echoing through the halls of heaven because Jesus has said he has found you? Your name is heard on the mouth of every angel in heaven because Jesus has said he has found you. And they sing out your name in the choirs of heaven as the old song says all through the mountains thunder riven and up from the rocky steep there arose a glad cry to the gates of heaven. Rejoice! I have found my sheep. And the angels echoed around the throne. Rejoice for the the Lord brings back his own. Rejoice for the Lord brings back his own. My friends, if you would understand who God is and realize just how valuable and just how priceless you are in God's eyes, especially if you are away from God, his mission is to seek and to save those who are lost and he does it with a great deal of energy, an inexhaustible supply. You are a priceless treasure in his eyes. And he wants to sit 
and eat with you. He's not worried about how dirty you are. He wants you at his table, eating there and joining the ninety and nine who are safely gathered home. So now you have heard Jesus' favorite story. The invitation has been sent to every man and woman and child. And it reads on it these words, Whosoever will may come. Whosoever will may come. May God bless you as you open your heart and your life to Jesus and let him come in. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we are grateful in our hearts for what you've done for us, for the search that goes on and on and never stops. We're glad that we can play some part in your search as we reach out to those around us and join in the search. And we invite those to come and to partake and to be part of God's family. We're grateful to you that you never tire of it and you long for it to be a full search that comes to a great conclusion that brings joy across the halls of heaven because one more has come. So bless us, Lord, as we turn to you. May we find strength and help in all that we need as we look to you. We agree that coming to you will be the best thing we ever did. So help us, we ask. Bless these people because they've been here with us today in this parking lot and those who are listening from other places, Lord. Help us to search our heart that we might hear the voice of God and do what it tells us to do and respond in the same love that he has responded to us. Bless us, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's finish up with a song, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior. Right on the front of your bulletins, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior. Stand together with us if you would. gentle Savior, hear my humble cry, while on others thou art calling, do not pass me by, Savior, Savior, hear my humble come to us. We know that you are in search of us this day. We know that you have gone out to seek for the one lost sheep. Lord, you know our hearts. You want us to be near you. You want us to dine with you and 
be close to you, Lord, and you do not care how dirty we are. Lord, you know that you long for us, and we pray that our hearts would long for you. We pray that we would call out wherever we are, and that you would not pass us by, but you would come and call upon us. We thank you, Lord, that you have loved us enough to come after us, and we pray that you'd protect us and be with us, be with our country, protect it, help it, help it to do what it ought to do, help us to live for righteousness and as a light in amongst our place, and all those who are out there who know your name, may they do the same. We pray that you would watch over us and bring us back to this place, and we thank you for your presence here in this very place. In your name we pray, amen.